0: Person of interest podcast episode number 26. Truth be snaffood.
1: You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting Anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team.
0: Greetings and salutations, Earthlings. (laughs) Welcome to Person of Interest Podcast. I am Daryl, and uh, you know what? I might just be wearing my favorite uh, fuzzy slippers right now. Can't tell because We're not you can't telling. see my
1: feet. We're not telling. That's right. And I'm Doug, and I'm keeping my own head on my shoulders. <laughs> we are so glad. You know, we know, it'd be interesting to try to switch the you know the little face swap. You yeah. Snapchat out here. My
0: daughter tried to do the <laughs> uh, face swap with a chocolate chip cookie the other day. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work out, so she's like, "Well, well,
1: no, we cookie." My son has done has had some good uh, uh, experiments, face swapping with Lord of the Rings posters and uh, and twenty dollar bills. Oh, that's fun! Yeah, yes. Well, you know what? We're glad to have you all with us here as we cover the person of interest. For Season 5, Episodes 2 and 3, our first double feature. Mm -hmm. They originally aired May 9th and May 10th, 2016, entitled Snafu and Truth Be Told. Now, Snafu, for those who did not listen to the spoiler section in our pre-Season 5 episode, Snafu is a World War II term, meaning situation, normal, all fouled up. Yeah. the Yeah. The expression was coined by U.S. Army troops during World War II, but over time, it's come to mean kind of a situation that's screwed up, but it's fixable. It can be uh, salvaged, and that's exactly what we wound up with in that episode.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize that was a World War II acronym that got kind of brought into the common vernacular. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, in Saving Private Ryan, uh, what's the uh, acronym that they, the new guy that, that- It's been a while since I saw that. Yeah. The guy who played Daniel Faraday in On Lost, he's in that, and he, he, they're using some acronym that he doesn't know what it is, and he finally figures out what it is, but I can't think of what that <laughs> is. But yeah, it's some, just something that we have in our common vernacular today. But so, it's-
1: well, you figure this came out of the army, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and it was kind of a, a joke that yeah, everything's normal. It's screwed up, you know. That's just the way things are. It's normal. So yes, yeah, yeah. and we are both of us. Produced by Golden Spiral Media. Goldenspiralmedia.com slash P-O-I, poy. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to find uh, all of our back catalog, and you can listen online right there, and you can make some you know, comments right there as well. So stop on by. And if you want to subscribe to any of the GSM podcasts in iTunes, go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash iTunes, that makes sense.
0: That's right. You can also leave feedback for this or any other Golden Spiral Media podcast by going over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. We love to hear your thoughts on the, the shows that we're all watching together, and we will have your feedback later in this episode. Uh, as Doug said, we're talking about two episodes this week, Snafu and Truth Be Told. Snafu was written by Lucas O'Connor and directed by Chris Fisher. And truth be told, was written by Eric Mountain and directed by Steven Sergic. We've seen Chris Fisher a lot in yeah. uh, in POI, mm-hmm.
1: and he has some great uh, great uh, stuff in his uh, you know in his portfolio. for that okay? Two episodes, so let's look at two sets of ratings here uh, from TB by the numbers. Snafu. Uh, got a 1.0 rating and a five point with 5.68 million viewers. Now here's the thing: that's uh, that's two tenths versus uh, last week's Tuesday premiere, two tenths lower in as far as the rating goes. But the the million the number of viewers, 5.68, that is not just an all time low; it's incredibly all time low. Yep. And now here's the thing: even as far as uh, you know, I've been keeping track of seasons four and five then truth be told on the usual night tuesday got a 1.1 rating but 7.41 million viewers now again that's uh, that's lower than it was kind of, it's kind of the same numbers as we had near the end of season 4 but 2 million more viewers about you know the, the yep. next night which just says to me cbs just screwed up people are not set to they you don't know, they don't have their their schedule sets so that they watch person of interest on Monday and Tuesday. Those of us who podcast about it, of course do, but you know, you there's that's 2 million viewers difference. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing. And that's something I, I won't get on a big soapbox here, but it's something that as I've, I've as I've had, which aren't very many conversations with different um, TV network people over the years, you know, I wish they would embrace podcasts more or even, mention them in some way, because people who listen to our podcasts are more engaged with the show. Now, you could you could argue backwards and say, well, they're listening to your podcast because they're already engaged, but it works both ways. I mean, sure, they are looking for the podcast because they love the show, but for those who are mm-hmm. listening and engaged with podcasts, they are more engaged with the show. They're more apt to watch and be aware of what's going on, and so it's in the network's best interest if they'll do some sort of cross-promotion with a podcast so that because engagement's critical, you know, and this is an example where for those who are just watching it each week um if they don't have their dvr set to record every new episode um you know they 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 missed out, and that's a huge deal two two million people is a massive number of people especially when you consider it out of seven point four the, the next week that's, what percentage is that um, math I don't know oh
1: golly yeah, carry the three I don't know it's yeah. like a third, not even not quite, not but yeah quite. yeah, uh, it's between
0: a quarter and a third so, a quarter and a third yeah yeah, so it's it's a big number, and it's unfortunate they're burning the episodes off, the network doesn't care, obviously, so nothing we can do about it, and certainly doesn't work, do any to there's no benefit in griping about it, but it's a shame, we hate it because we love the show just like you do that they're listening. So it's a bummer. I wonder, you know, in two weeks, we're going to get three episodes in a week. What's going to happen then? I mean, I guess the second <laughs> night, they'll be like, oh, no, the, the second night, they're going to tune in at the normal time, and it's, they'll, they'll still have missed the, the preceding episode. The first episode, the, yeah. Yeah, because it's in the last time slot of the night. That's its normal slot. So that week, we get three. It's going to come in an hour early. So they're probably, they're probably going to miss two episodes that week.
1: Hmm. Holly, you can't keep up with the show if they're gonna do that
0: to you. Yeah. And that
1: just lets you know that scheduling really does matter. It does. It
0: sure does. Absolutely. All right. Well, enough about that, unless you've got something else you want to toss in. No, I'm done graping. For now. Well, let's share some feedback that we got in uh, about last week's episode. And uh, honestly, folks, I don't know that we're going to do this every week. It's going to depend. We're going to see how it goes tonight, even Uh, the length of our show. We do want to be mindful of that. And so the feedback deadline for each week is 5 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays. And as always in the past, we do try to go ahead and include some of those that, that missed the deadline in the next episode. But... We'll monitor the length of our podcast episodes and determine at some point if that's going to be really realistic or not, particularly that week where we do have three episodes that we're talking about. But for this week, we'll include them. And so the first one comes in from Aaron. And this is a doozy. So (sighs) take a deep breath. He says, I'm definitely sad they canceled the show, period, but also sad that they're blazing through it doing so. The upside is it means that we'll get the DVDs sooner. Hey, that's good. Class half full kind of guy. (laughs) The realism of POI was one of the greatest points of the series. I still laugh about the image of Fusco kissing Root and saying, why not? We're in a simulation. Continuity was another great point to the series. person of interest was just an amazing series, period. It is. It's not over yet. Can't use it in past tense yet. (laughs) Yes. He says, I think Control is alive and could be the bad guy. Ooh, the bad guy for future events if need be. Or she could be an ally. Control is a wild card, and that is an interesting factor. I agree with that. Uh, I could see Harold's or Root's conscious being uploaded to the machine if they die in the final because they are both such a part of the machine I've long felt Michael's and Amy's voices have been part of the machine's voice when she speaks over the phone, so it would be a nice nod to that. Unless we blow it up real good. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I can already see Shaw volunteering for any explosives needed in that regard. (laughs) I agree, I could take a blinking light ending for Samaritan, but it has to be clear it wouldn't be seen for years, because if it came back too soon, that would be disappointing. I think some characters will survive, but some main characters will die. The only question is who Greer would have to die. I feel because if he survives, you run into the bad guy being, being stale after how long he's been on and he won't stop unless they kill him. So I'd say he's out. No to bear dying. Fusco has been a real lucky on the series so far. So he's due for a major hurt moment in the series. (laughs) Harold would be more shocking than Reese between them dying. And I'd love both Shaw and Root surviving, but between them, I could see it being Root because she could live on through the machine. Harold and Shaw would be an interesting mix to see together because we haven't seen much of them together really alone. I don't think Harold will ever get back together with Grace just for her own safety. The Comic-Con trailer was amazing, especially the voiceover ending and uh, we'll talk about that in our spoiler section so mm-hmm. um goes on to say happy for the new season but sad it's ending firewall and bad code were great for roots introduction relevance was great for shaw's introduction the fight scene featuring john the flashback to the face and jump out is great every time so many good episodes for many different reasons just a great series i look forward to the podcast Root definitely had the best fight scenes in the episode, I agree. I thought the opening would be more mid-scene than minutes later, but it was okay. The voiceover opening was perfect. Uh, I will say that while it was Root's voice pattern we heard, I'm not convinced it was Root talking in that scene. It could have been the machine who's merged Root's consciousness and embraced her voice delivering the monologue. That is a fascinating theory. Mm. Wow. I still hope Root lives, but if... She doesn't. This would be a fitting situation for her character. I don't think the opening really solidifies anything. Given the amount of cameras everywhere else, I too thought there'd be at least one on the ferry, but again, it worked because it's older transportation and maybe they haven't gotten two upgrades for them yet. Great point about missing flashback graphic. Again, it's the little details that make this series so amazing. How will I learn? How will I remember you? Definitely an emotional beat. I love you included the commentary in this recap as someone who didn't get to hear it. It's great hearing the recap of it. Enjoy Doug's computer nerd out moment. (laughs) When was that? Oh, the talk. Yes. I remember that now. Yes. Um, I think Elias is dead. Good point about the opening, possibly being root talking to the machine. And that comes in from Aaron. I need a drink of coffee. Good stuff. Aaron. Thank you.
1: You know, Aaron, if you've got some predictions as to when, get them in pretty soon, mm-hmm. so we can get you on the uh, living of the day contest. Yep, we'll talk about that uh, in full detail later in our uh, podcast. Well, Doc H or Dotch, as we like to call him, uh, add a little a little extra thing here uh, as in addition to what he uh, said last week. He said the closed captioning, and this speaks to what Aaron was talking about. Uh, uh, who's speaking that monologue? Said Root was speaking now. That could be Root's voice and, you know, in the machine. But anyway, they list the name when the character is off screen, and I've seen that before. And so this is from the, the, the show transcript. This is really nice. So uh, in case you missed what that little monologue was, if you can hear this, you are alone. The only thing left of us is the sound of my voice. And, and see right there, too. Hmm. Maybe the sound of her oh, voice is cool. in the, yeah. I don't know if any of us made it. Did we win? Did we lose? I don't know. I'm not even sure I know what victory would mean anymore. But either way, it's over. So let me tell you who we were. Let me tell you who you are, and how we fought back. That's a great. It just a- asks wow. so many questions. Yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. Man, imagination going wild there. I. I uh, okay, I can't wait to see how this <laughs> wraps up. And a little quick one from Don Knott. I
1: listened to the podcast first, then watched the episode. Root is talking to the new AI they had to reboot. That's his idea. It is not a new character. It's her telling Harold's new, uninhibited machine to carry on the fight for the little guy or the general public. So there's another option there. I'm I'm Mm. just excited to find out what that really is, and I bet you that's not going to happen until the last episode.
0: Oh, I think so. That would be very, very end stuff. Maybe not the end of the series, but at least the final episode. And it may be the last thing that we figure out. Who knows? All right. Well, thanks for sending in that feedback. Again, the uh, feedback deadline is uh, Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, we may reach a point this season where we're not able to feature uh, feedback that that comes in after that. So uh, be mindful that we know it's a we know it's a tight turnaround and we're all kind of uh, under strain this season as everything is a tight turnaround. And so we're just trying to do the best we can. But we do appreciate you sending that in. All right, Doug, let's keep it rolling here. Snafu episode ratings. Uh, we got some good ones in this week. Uh, shall show you yeah. show you go first?
1: I'll I'll go first. I gave it 8 body switches. 8. I'm um, trying to keep a little room for, you know, bigger uh episodes near the end. Mhm.
0: I also gave it 8. I gave it 8 Girl Scout badges. Badges? <laughs> little, little stinking badges. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite Humphrey Bogart movies. Yep.
1: Uh, now all the uh, the listener uh, ratings were were higher than ours. Interestingly enough, Team <laughs> Yellow Box gave it eight and a half roots and suits.
0: Barb Rankin gave it eight point five fuzzy bunny slippers. Jeff Childs gave it eight and a half knee capped Lithuanians. <laughs> nice. Daryl Washington gave it ten big brown bags. Who? That was his first rating. The first time he gave one, he gave it a yeah, 10. Yeah, that's weird because he, he always contributes so much, but the rating is not something he's done before. So, Nice job. Uh, Zach Chong gave it 10 face swaps. And Henry Galarza gave it 9.5 machines that needed a constant. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you, Lost. Okay. Um, Andrew
1: Jeeves gave it 8.9, not quite a 9, 8.9 picnics in Central Park.
0: And Andrew B. gave it 10 bowling pins. Alrighty, for truth be told, I gave it 8.5
1: upscale hotels. Again, leaving a little uh, room here, but I really did like it actually a little better than Snafu. Snafu was a great episode, but uh, I think I, I, I enjoyed getting the background on... Um, on uh John? Reese and John's uh, CIA
0: time. Mm -hmm. I actually had a little bit of trouble with the uh, backstory on that, which is part of the reason Uh. I rated it down. Seven disconnected steering wheels. (laughs) Henry Galarza, back again. Nine pirate bathroom
1: brawls.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That was great. And (laughs) Zach Chong gave it nine ghosts doing what needs to be done.
1: That's a great line. Mm Mm-hmm. Team Yellow Box back again with eight backstories.
0: Andrew Jeeves gave it 6.5 reunions with bouses, even even lower than yours. Mhm. And Andrew B rated it an eight line poem. Let's get into our discussion on snafu first. Um what do you what do you want to start with this? Yeah, well, here's the thing. I- as I was
1: watching it, well, not as I was watching, but as I was sleeping on it afterwards and uh, just kind of running over some of the uh, things that Harold said in my head as I lay down and try to fall asleep. I thought there were a couple of major themes in Snafu specifically, and, and maybe these will be uh, extended on through the series or answered, you know, questions like this answered uh, later on, or maybe just something for the um, the watchers, the viewers to... Consider. One of the lines he said when he was teaching the machine the first time, he's doing the training, we saw a little flashback Mm -hmm. about that. He said, Some things are unforgivable, and he listed off a few crimes like that. By the end of the episode, now he's saying there's some gray areas. You know, it isn't just these are bad and that's it. Sometimes bad things are done in the service of doing good, is the implication here. And so in this case, the doing good is the saving of lives that the team machine is doing. So my questions were a couple of things. Number one, how, how bad can you be in the service of doing good? Where do you draw the line? How do you draw the line? Uh, the machine has Harold's ethics and his thought patterns, but then does it depend on whose ethics you use? I mean, pick anybody's ethics and say, now yeah, I'm going to draw that line the way he does it or where he, he draws that line. Does the line move depending on how you feel that day? If you're, you know, upset, then, you know, well, maybe I can go a little farther if you're not feeling, uh, you know, is, is it based on your emotional frame of mind that day or uh, that kind of thing? So it's that's a tough question, you know, doing bad things in the service of doing good um what do you think is that that that's that's clearly you know one of the major moral issues of that man has struggled with since forever
0: you know i think it's an interesting question and and it files rank and file right into kind of what this show is all about where it's these people are having to make decisions the machines having to make decisions and i liked that this episode kind of Looked at that with almost with a, with a fresh set of eyes. You know, it didn't have context. It didn't have timelines. It didn't. And those two things are so important when you're trying to make these decisions. Is the person the same they are today as they were then, or, or what was the context for which, you know, root kills that guy. And she does that. She was going to kill the woman, you know, that Harold from China, that Harold liked. And what's, what's the context without the context. You don't know. You just think, Oh, roots a killer. And so, uh, but, but at the same time, she did kill that guy. You know, she is a killer. Mm-hmm. She kills people all the time. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's a really interesting, like I said, fresh set of eyes to kind of reevaluate because uh, we're rooting for this this set of people and not Team Machine, uh, or excuse me, Samaritan. And it's like, well, for, from somebody's perspective, Samaritans might be the good guys. You know. They, yeah. Crime yeah. rates are down, murders are down, suicides are up, but murders are down, you know, th- things like that, right? So it's mm-hmm. a really interesting uh, dialogue, and uh, it's all a matter of perspective and, and what your perspective is versus somebody else's, and, and it can be v- pretty morally ambiguous, I think. Yeah.
1: Well, there was another question I had about that. That uh, that line. Some things are unforgivable. What does yeah. it mean that something is unforgivable? Uh, what is forgiveness? Beca- because the answer to that question kind of de- determines what is unforgivable. It sounded like what Harold was saying was that these kinds of actions, these kinds of crimes, don't deserve to get have the consequences removed. But I don't think that's necessarily what. Forgiving means it doesn't it doesn't mean if you forgive somebody that doesn't mean the consequences are going to be erased, right? It's more an attitude my attitude towards you or towards what you've done to me or done to somebody else, right? My attitude towards towards you. It's dropping that uh, that hatred that um, that grudge and I think that's more of uh, That's more in line with what I think forgiveness is it something everything is Forgivable to a point, I mean, it's very, it may be difficult. I am, I'm not, you know, uh, diminishing that. But uh, when you say something's unforgivable, it sounds to me like what he was saying was that it is, it must have uh, justice. And I agree with that completely. Um, Whether the person forgiving may decide to uh, dispense with the consequences. If you, consequences, if you stole something from me, I... You know, if, if you, if I forgive you, I may just say, "Give me the money back, and that's it. We're not going to, you know, prosecute." So that's that's a a de- decision on the person who is doing the forgiving. But I don't think it's necessarily a, a definite. You understand what I'm saying here? Trying to trying to, I'm trying to put Harold's terms in context and 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 kind of define them a little differently than I think he's de- defining them.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you in, as far as the definitions. I mean, forgiveness is something doesn't necessarily mean that the consequences are gone I mean, if I were to say somebody to to somebody your debt is forgiven, you owe me money i and I've forgiven your debt, well then the consequences there are also erased I've not only mm-hmm. said, that's you don't owe me anything you know there is no consequences to you not paying me back basically, but at the same time if you if you murdered my brother. Uh, seems to be an appropriate thing here I may say I forgive you, which means that i don't i don't foster any ill will i don't wish anything bad upon you or whatever whatever but that doesn't mean that I still don't believe that there are justifiable consequences if you if your state that you're in practices a death penalty and I believe in capital punishment I may say you know what I forgive you doug i don't have any ill will towards you but you do still need to face the consequences of your crime. And I think those are separate, right? So that's that's yeah. forgiveness and justice. So I think it can be interchangeable, but it doesn't have to be interchangeable. Context, again, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. And there at the end of this, you know, this is
1: at the beginning. Some things are unforgivable, and that that was what Harold was teaching the machine early on. At the very end, though, he says, realizing... The, what had, the machine had thought about since it thought all, everything was happening all at the same time then he was talking about context and he says there are no heroes, no villains just people doing the best they can mm-hmm. I Love I agree that. That, that nobody's pure good and pure evil, we are all a con- some combination of that, Right, but we're just people doing the best they can kind of, I, I was not quite, not quite sure about that is that true? People doing the best they can Was Elias doing the best he could? Was Dominic doing the best he could? I'm not sure about that. Was
0: was Fusco, when he was a dirty cop, was he doing the best he could? I don't think that's what he's saying. I, I think what he's saying to the machine is, in our little inner circle, which is Reese, Root, Finch, that's all there is right now. Well, Fusco. Now, we're doing the best we can. We may make mistakes. And they made some mistakes here. They let the paint guy go, which you know, I don't. That's I mean, he may be a victim here of sorts too. So uh, whatever. Um, they're 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 taking the data that they have and they're making the best decisions they can to make the most morally positive outcome as possible. They're trying to be the good guys. I think that's what he's saying. Uh, we're we're doing the best they can with the information that they have. They're going to make mistakes along the way. I don't think he's saying anything about Elias or Dominic or anyone outside of those who have access to the subway, which technically isn't even Fusco.
1: Well, it, I, I thought he was talking more generally, because if that was the case, he could said, we're not heroes, we're just doing the best we can. But he talked about, there are no heroes and no villains. Those guys aren't villains, is you know, um, out there. Uh, I, I I don't think he was talking about himself when he was talking about villains, no. but... Yeah, so that's a uh, that's a little uh, something to um, consider. Do intentions matter when the actions are evil? And that kind of goes back to doing good in the service of evil. Mm-hmm, but sure. uh, but evil intentions when doing evil—that's I don't think that's doing the best you can. I think there are some people doing the best to, f- for them, and never mind everybody else. You know? Sure,
0: sure, absolutely, absolutely. All right,
1: there we go with our
0: philosophy section. Yeah, well, th- those are some major themes, as you said, that we saw, at least through Snafu. And, um, but those are the types of things that we love about this show. These are the themes and things that it challenges us with each week. Well, not each week, but most weeks with something like that. And so it's, it's fun to always talk about that stuff. And so as we kind of talk about these episodes this week, we'll kind of bring those themes up as, as we remember or see fit. So. Well,
1: we had in SnaFU. We had. I was waiting to see what the intro was going to be for SnaFU because we had a very different one for the premiere. So we get y- mm-hmm. y- you kind of see a little bit. It's going to go that way. Then after a while, it's it's like nope. Uh, it's all glitchy and whatnot. Trying to identify the machines, trying to identify who its assets are. And I had seen there had been a uh, a little uh, sneak preview of season five uh, out on YouTube and things like that. And they had the the shots of uh, you know, Root looking uh, like Her- or or Harold looking like Root saying Harold y things, you know, and uh even Root saying fusco-y things and and just switching uh, switching all the characters around. That was uh I this is one of those things that it's not a comedy show, but man, they can really throw it in there and do yeah. it do it really well and make it part of the story. It's not just throwing in it's that gratuitous humor, it, it actually actually fits the story. But I I was very interested to see that it's been two months now. Mm-hmm. I guess since the since the first episode, two months between then between then and now, um, and they've not had uh, access to the machine all that time, and having a uh, a tough time, you know, not being able to do anything, kind of sitting on their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, though Harold has been kind of upgrading the uh, upgrading the digs there. You know, the subway car is now mobile. And with the machine fully inside it, I, that's got to be one of those things yeah, that's going ha- to show up a little later.
0: Yeah, I wrote up my note <laughs> on that is that's got to be Chekhov's mobile machine. You know, we talk about <laughs> Chekhov's gun, which I almost called him Ben. That's hilarious. Uh, Finch got a gun <laughs> last season that we never saw him use, which is really unusual. If it comes into yeah. play at this point in, or in this season, it needs to come up at some point so that we're reminded or the average viewers reminded of that he has a gun. So yeah, they talk about the machine being mobile now. That's got to come up at well, some point.
1: Well, when the, when he hit the button and the doors closed, mm-hmm. my wife said that's
0: gonna happen. You know, it was always Chekov's op- opening
1: and closing doors. You know,
0: wireless doors. Yep. That's right. And i i uh, I think you were you were glitching out on me a little bit there. So when you were talking about the intro, I, I wasn't quite sure where you were at. Ah. Uh, but I do want to mention how much I enjoyed seeing the actors kind of impersonate the other. You know, like when Rude is impersonating Finch or when she's doing Fusco or any of them, you know, they're all getting their chance to talk like John, John Reese. And it was just <laughs> hilarious. I loved every minute of that, that they had to have had a ton of fun doing that. You know, they read the script going, oh, my gosh, I can't wait for this one. I know so exactly cool. how I'm going to say that. You know, Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Now, it was interesting to me, though, when they do get the machine back up, you know, they did some testing and all that and finally decided, okay, let's get it back up and all that. Root wants to go straight for Samin. And Harold is like, nope, we've got to do this in order. We've got to get, we've got to test the machine. And that starts that, that we do that by getting numbers. And so we're back on the numbers trail. I don't know, man. I'm kind of with Root on this one. I mean... I appreciate them getting numbers, but it seems like a little bit um, like that shouldn't be their priority right now. There's this thing called Samaritan and there's this woman called Shaw. And I I mean, I can appreciate Harold's intentions and and his stick to it in terms of vetting out the machine and testing it properly. But I don't know. I was like, I'm with
1: Root on this one. Well, I liked the idea of him wanting to do things in order because that was the problem. The machine had no order. It was seeing everything all at once. Sure. So it, that was a kind of, a, a you know, kind of it, it kind of fit into that whole narrative. But, yeah, I think uh, I, I see Harold trying to use the numbers to kind of get the machine back into its groove and make sure, like you said, it's back up. It knows what it's doing. It's it's debugged, so to speak. Before we start uh, mm-hmm. jumping on, and it's good, and you know, actually, I think what what happened was that it proved it proved out uh, Harold's uh, uh, concern that if they had gone after trying to find Samaritan, trying to find Shaw, they could have been going down all sorts of uh, all sorts of different uh, dead ends and whatnot, like they did with those thirty numbers. So maybe you know, yeah, yeah, I understand the priority. I understand the the roots uh motivation there but i think i think i think harold actually had a had uh, the right idea to kind of make sure that before we trust this with um something as important as finding shaw we need to make sure that it could still handle the irrelevant stuff
0: yeah and i think that the, they they showed a pretty clear example of that when they said oh well let's test it you know uh, you know, scan us. We're because we're the good guys, we're buddies. I am your father, I am your father, you know. <laughs> and and in doing so, it's like, oh well, you've tried to kill me in the past. He's killed sixty-three people, she's killed all these people, and then it goes into lockdown mode, and it kinda goes back to that thing that you and I have thrown out a million times, which is machine, cure hunger. Okay, I will kill. Five billion people. Hunger, problem solved. And that's kind of the, the ones and zeros way of thinking. And so it, it, and of course, it didn't have context. It didn't have uh, timeline. It was having all those weird issues. But that kind of gave us a pretty clear example of, of just what, how particular. I mean, it's a computer. It can't, even though it can think, it, it can't. You have to tell it how to think.
1: And uh, how did you feel when you heard the phone ring?
0: Uh, I, it's like, ooh. <laughs> I got a little giddy, I think. <laughs> Cuz it was
2: like, yeah! yes. Yeah!
0: <laughs> so we have
1: those 30 numbers that it comes up with, but as it turns out, they're not really they're not really threats and that gives us a a little bit of a clue as to what's going on. We also see a little bit of the the flashback there and it's Harold you know, well, first of all, from the machine's point of view, it doesn't know what day it is. It doesn't say day one. It starts out. You see, it kind of glitches. Says one, and then it flips over to R, which we find out later is the set of all real numbers, and it's like everything. Mm-hmm. And you know, teaching the machine. Here's the victim. Here's the perpetrator. It's a great. It was a great little uh, look into the uh, the past. We've seen a little bit of Harold uh, teaching into the past this uh, in previous episodes. Uh, this was nice. And you know, victim or perpetrator. And which kind of lines up with the uh, the first and second season uh, narratives at the ver- the narration at the very beginning of the show. Yep. But he does try to reboot it, and that's not going to happen. It reminded me of, of like a million Star Trek episodes where the uh, computer <laughs>
0: will not reboot, will not get unplugged. Yeah, it was cool to see this one. Uh, I'm I'm in the middle of watching 2001: um, A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. And I know at some point in that movie, Hal kind of locks everyone out, and I think I'm I stopped it right. I think where I'm about to get to that part of the movie, and uh, that's kind of what we had here. Uh, I, I'm again, I haven't seen it yet. Just it's been that for 40 years or 35 years, and so I've I've heard things about it, and I've seen clips from it and stuff like that. But yeah, that's kind of what we had here, where the machine's like you know reboot imminent, and you know. Taps into the cochlear implant and and uh, really aggressive and really defensive. Yeah, it was really cool.
1: I'm sorry, Dave. I can't
0: do that. Yeah, yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. That's the line you got on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I, what I did like too was you know while Root takes herself out of the picture there, this is you know Harold gets a chance to try to reground the machine into the present and uh, understand that you know this is where the context comes in that now you no know, not today is every day today is just now and he re, uh he recalls many of the numbers we get to see uh I love that facial uh you know just the pictures of a number of the past numbers and uh, that was cool i i this has been um uh, a series that has been very, as Aaron mentioned earlier, very continuous. The continuity has been very good, and it has not had to go retcon anything, or it's not entirely forgotten about things that happened in the past. And I thought that was, you know, uh, a great way to say, you know, this is, here are the things we did. You see the bad things that were required, but you are still seeing. The good that came out of it. These people's lives were saved. Now, again, you know, how bad can you go in the service of good? But I will note that Team Machine, following the um, example of Reese, uh, kneecaps people most of the time. They don't kill them, you know, unless they, you know, unless there's a, a really, you know, unless their own lives are in danger, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's kind of if you remember, if you ever watched Terminator 2, And, uh, the boy is saying to Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, you shouldn't kill people. And so he, later on, you see all these, he's shooting things up, shooting people up and whatnot, but, but he's not actually hitting them. He's hitting the cars. Mm -hmm. He's hitting things near them. But nobody, there's there's a very low body count in Terminator 2. So
0: I thought, uh, it's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was really cool. When Root went, took herself under and kind of said, Hey, Harold, I bet you can hack into it. I trust you with my life, yada, yada, yada. I really felt like he was going to go in and and hack into it. He was going to brute force his way into it and then dig into the code and fix the timeline algorithm or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But he didn't do that. And and I liked this approach instead where he... he reasoned with the machine, he talked to the machine, he taught the machine, and by doing that, I think the machine, you know, I I don't know, I don't know what I was going to say with that, but I just think it was nice to see that that was the way to fix the machine was by, like you would with a person, you don't just cut up on their brain and try to fix things that way, I mean, not most of the time, you try to (laughs) teach them and show them and open their mind and help them... Reason and stuff like that, so although I did like where he said it's it's uh, it, it, it's basically lost in time or doesn't have you know an anchor or whatever, I thought, oh, we need Desmond here he's got to have the machine needs a constant. tell me right back to my lost days. I think I tweeted something close to that or whatever, but uh, yeah. yeah it was fun. you need a constant, brother yeah, that's right <laughs> that's pretty good <laughs> that's a pretty good Scottish accent you had there well, I've
1: been uh, keeping, it, keeping track of him on the 100. Another series mm. in CW. So there you are. Yep,
0: yep, that's right.
1: The ending kind of hit me as a well, like like a sitcom ending. Well, we wrapped everything up, and let's go have a picnic, you know? Yeah. Um, kind of. It, it kind of. Um, it's kind of an understated ending for a series of an episode that it was.
0: Right. It was. Especially with John and the. Especially with Root and the as is the Girl Scout. Shirt. Yeah, and Root as the Girl Scout. It was. <laughs>
1: Bowling shirt, yeah,
0: yeah. Stuff this weird. polyester down your throat. <laughs> Can you see him bowling? Like if he if he gets like a seven ten split, does he just take the gun out and just blow him down? <laughs> Shoot the. <laughs> well, that's what you call a split. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I don't know. Uh, yeah,
1: that's uh, it.
0: Was a, it was an interesting ending for sure. It was a little bit too. Um, I mean, picnic in the park is a little bit too uh, butterflies and rainbows for for this show, Silly. particularly with the dire situation that they're still in. But I don't think that it was a terrible ending. It, I think it just was weird. I don't. Um, I don't know. It's it's a little bit too, like I said, unicorns and rainbows.
1: Kind of a juxtaposition with what they what they had yeah. gone before. Then all of a sudden, happy and yeah, they said unicorns and rainbows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But we do see
0: the ex-con. Go ahead. Um, Yeah, before that, we saw, um, in the middle of the episode, we saw Grace, or at least where Finch thought he was seeing Grace. Now, last week, we saw her in a flashback. You know, she's... uh, Carrie can always come back and be parts of flashback and not interrupt, you know, the current timeline. But I'm Mm -hmm. wondering, as a viewer, now that we've seen Grace in two consecutive... uh, Is there a... Is there a method to their madness for showing us the character of Grace two episodes in a row? Even though one was in flashback and one was just apparently a figment of Finch's imagination they still showed us that character is that their way of reminding us of who she is as if we needed that but um, are they going to get back together at some point before the end does does the series end with uh, with uh, Grace and Finch back together maybe? Is that what they're leading up to?
1: That seems that way if they're yeah you know, like i said we hadn't we've only seen her you know in individual episodes here and there or maybe you know two in a row but but not you know ver but very spread out now all of a sudden she's um she's appeared twice now, and I think that i don't know if this means that they all live happily ever after, but that um that outstanding relationship needs to be dealt with, and whether that means um they get together or they don't and there's a clean break there at some point, it could go either way. I think it, cause you know, this is a person of interest. Come on.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah. I have the feeling too, that it's, it's to set something up later in the season. You, you're right. I think you're right. Whether they walk off in the sunset together is a, is an entirely different thing, but at least probably setting up some sort of continuation or, as, as, a res, as much of a resolution as, as possible within the construct of whatever this, wherever the story goes. But yes, mm-hmm. I think they're going to revisit that. And they're leading up to that. All right. And
1: we, find, we wind up uh, with the painter here. Mm-hmm. As, uh, I think we were intended to believe that this was a uh, Samaritan operation that Mona Blackwell was a part of. I think we have some feedback later on, or maybe it was a discussion Mm -hmm. on the Facebook group that said, maybe, you know, the machine paid this woman to try to kill Reese, that maybe this is, you know, a a bluff, you know, on the part of the writers here. This is not Samaritan, but this is actually the machine kind of going down a bad path. I thought that Mm -hmm. was an intriguing idea, but I still think it's with only 13 episodes. I don't think we have enough time to develop
0: that. Yeah, my my other thought, I mean, because we do see the graphical overlay where it calls him an asset or possible asset or something to that effect, if I remember right. I forgot to make mm. specific note of that on my second watch. But it, still, that doesn't necessarily mean that what's happening there in that office with Mona Blackwell is Samaritan. She could have him in mind for something else, but because Samaritan is... That's completely unrelated to Samaritan, but because Samaritan is monitoring every ca- camera feed, Samaritan could be watching it, going, "Oh, okay, I've got my eyes on this guy too." So they could be completely unrelated. But I think the in, the initial gut reaction is to is that she's working for Samaritan and she's just brought him in. You know, maybe he's going to be the new um, what was her name? Martine. Martin. Yeah. Yeah. So who knows? I guess we'll find out soon enough.
1: Well, I and I was thinking um there was an African-American man who was uh part of he showed up in the uh the warehouse with all the PS3s and things like that. Mm-hmm. He he showed up a couple of times and I thought he was going to be the new Martin. Uh haven't uh, I don't think we saw him in these episodes, but uh so that so maybe she's uh, going to be maybe Mona is or maybe the uh the painter is. I wish I'd taken down his name.
0: I'm sure we'll. So I think we'll need to know it. Well, I'm sure he'll be back, and we'll figure it out then. Because uh, we definitely mm-hmm. haven't seen the last of that guy. All right, let's talk about some of the B and C storylines of this one. Um, the B storyline is really um,
1: a number that has is is. Uh, it turns out to be the perpetrator, but. The victim is part of Team Machine. That's a little unusual. That's right.
0: You cannot trust women from Tulsa. Trust me. (laughs) As someone that lives in the Oklahoma City area, a little suburb of Oklahoma City, you can't trust women from Tulsa. (laughs) And do women from Tulsa have that much of a southern accent? (laughs) Generally, no. Um, There are people in Oklahoma the urban areas, like Oklahoma City and Tulsa, the accents aren't as thick. The rural areas, more so. My in-laws are from a fairly sizable town in Texas, and my mother-in-law and my wife have, my mother-in-law has a really thick, like, Paula style accent. My wife's is pretty, very noticeable. My, my father-in-law, not so much. So, yeah, it, it kind of comes and goes, but... Um, but no, not really that thick. And I don't know if she was laying it on because she's playing a part here. She's trying to make it. Oh, you yeah, know, yeah. Or if they were just trying to follow the stereotype that all of us in Oklahoma have these thick country accents. I don't know, but it could be.
1: <laughs> I was waiting for her to say she was from, you know, rural Georgia.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: yeah. But she's a special forces too. Definitely a, or it seemed that way to Reese. So definitely a, uh, you know, someone to take, be able to take him out if somebody's going to. It's got to be somebody with his particular set
0: of skills as well. <laughs> That's right. And it couldn't be Lam Neeson. Um, uh, <laughs> so, you know, my only beef with this was and I know it was replacing the the normal where they're going out trying to help someone because it came, it became apparent pretty early on that she was after him. And it seemed like their gun battle went on and on. Now we go back to the, a storyline, then we're back and their guns blazing, ducking. And it's like, no cops ever show up. It's like, <laughs> he's calling Fusco at one point. Fusco's phone just rings and rings. Cause he's, you know, trying to save the guy from the mob boss, you know, Boris Karloff. And and that's when we get the Fusconator voicemail, which was hilarious. And it's like, Reese's like, I guess I'm on my own. And I was thinking, w- you're in New York City. I mean, how long do you think this gun battle is going to last? It's already lasted a long time. I guess maybe you do. Hey, Fusco, could you, could you swing down here? I need your help. I mean, I don't know. I just thought it was drawn out, incredibly, unrealistically long, especially with no cops or anybody else showing up. And I guess it was well, just yeah, would somebody... that those spots of the episode where they would normally be investigating or doing other <laughs> things?
1: Would so. some of those business owners call nine one one? Yeah, out I know. Yeah. Like it
0: was, I don't know. It was a minor thing, but it was definitely something that bugged me. Yeah, I can see that.
1: I, 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 that it, they 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 do a good job in person of interest with. You know, keeping realism there, that, not so much. Now, what happened to her exactly? I mean, we, we didn't kill her, did
0: we? I can't, I'm can't. i trying to remember what happened. They got away. You know, got away. Finch was like, run! And he did, <laughs> he ran away. And that was, which I thought would be kind of, the machine says, sorry, I can't call her off, paid in full. Well, then call <laughs> her off, she got her money. Just say, yeah, keep the money. Forget the guy. I don't know. That didn't make sense to me. Paid in, paid in, well, and the other thing too is—is—is is, is she know where he, she knows where he works? I
1: yeah. mean, it would be very easy to just go back and yeah. try it again. I don't know. It was, it was a weak storyline. Just kept uh, Reese out of the picture for a bit.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the other thing. Like, uh, was it in this? Was it? Was it in this episode or the next one? At some point. Yeah, it was in this one. Finch calls Reese saying, "Hey, the machine's turned against us. We need your help." I don't know what was Reese or yeah, what was Reese was he was just gonna like bully the uh the door open? I don't know. I wasn't sure what he expected Reese to be able to do in that situation. Give it that so, look. Yeah. Mm. I'm gonna whisper at it until it opens up. <laughs> that was more Batman than Reese, but what are you gonna do? <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my goodness. Jim Caviezel as the Dark Knight, that's what we right. need. Next. He could
0: he could, he's probably a little old now for for uh the Bruce Wayne. Um but he could definitely pull it off. Mhm. <laughs> anyway, um and we mentioned the Boris Karloff scene he was following that guy. Um I don't know if there's there's not a whole lot there except we got the uh, the Boris Karloff laugh out loud moment, we got the Fuskinator laugh out loud moment. I don't know if you have anything well, else you want to mention there. W-
1: with uh, Fusco, with all these names, he, he's kind of the Sawyer of Lost um, with all the nicknames here. Yeah. Glasses and whatever. Now he's got Boris Karloff. Thank you.
0: Yeah. That's all a right. great point.
1: <laughs> we're we're making all these connections with Lost. We'll bring that one in too.
0: That's right. Hey, you can't have a good uh, uh, Bad Robot Production show without bringing up Lost frequently. A little cross-pollination there. Yes, indeed. Oh. All right, well, let's talk about Truth Be Told. This was the uh, Tuesday night episode of Person of Intro. Another really interesting intro. This time it is Greer and Finch back and forth giving the intro, which I loved. It was just really
1: cool. I loved it, too, and I think I, I would like to see that kind of, you know, they've already had three episodes now with different intros. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see that kind of morph as, you know, the machine makes advances, of Samaritan, you know, makes advances, and a little more of Greer, a little more of Finch. Or even the dialogue, or, you know, the, the, the dual monologue, actually, kind of uh, almost being the story so far kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, there's a lot, especially with this season being so compact, there's going to be a lot of, uh, needing to keep up with what's going on. And since 2 million people didn't, you know, on Monday, then it's really going to be, uh, gonna need to be a lot more of a uh, continuing
0: storyline and keep people caught up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. One of the things I love about this, ep- this show is its ability to take very serious issues, give us some really colorful characters that aren't just flat, uh, there's depth to them, Give us lots of action, smart, cohesive, consistent storylines, and then you have the comedy layer. We just talked about you know Boris Karloff and uh, Fuskinator in the last episode. This episode had quite a bit of humor in it too, and they they do that to kind of give so it's not just tense and overwhelming all the time, and it just shows well written stuff. But this one starts out with some comedy in the um, when Iris and her parents show up at the at the uh, pirate themed restaurant. <laughs> because it's just like so out of their element. It's just hilarious. Just them walking in because they're all dressed nice and looking good. And the parents are like, what the heck is this? I don't know. And then it just got funnier as the scenes went on. And it was just, it was great juxtaposition, I, I think.
1: Well, having Reese choose that or maybe and maybe Iris chose it. But just having Reese there at all is like another fish out of water Thing for him uh, last season, I believe we uh, they, they went up to uh, uh, a small town in New York. He and uh, Root, and it was like a real fish out of water moment. I think this was another one. Now you noticed something about this um, episode that they you know they go back and forth. Now we're seeing a little more of the machine. Now it's grounded in time a little more of the machine's point of view, looking back, looking forward, and. You notice that the timeline doesn't go to twenty sixteen.
0: <laughs> yeah, now that the machine like last week, the episode one, the machine was wasn't giving us those flashbacks because it wasn't on board yet. So we talked about how it was all memories. Well now that the machine is back on board and has this timeline restored, when we're getting these flashbacks, we're getting those dates with it too. And so it's now it's telling us when it's back in the present time like it always does. Except it's saying twenty fifteen, which just shows that the people in the visual effects department and those that they answer to, those that run the show, had no idea that this was going to be prolonged until 2016. Otherwise, they would have had that visual effect, say 2016, and it just like no. it's like a little, I don't know, burn myself. What could have been? Yeah.
1: Well, this starts out with uh, as far as the person of interest goes. Uh, we actually have. A, a decent number. We've got Alex Duncan working at a consulting firm, and he seems to be. It uh, could be a perpetrator. I, again, this is typical of what POI does. It doesn't. You don't necessarily know whether this guy is a good guy or a bad guy. And it, you know, he's he's preoccupied. He's uh, he works for a, I, th- I think is the consulting firm, but I think it's a defense consulting uh, company. And he's breaking into safes and he's photographing documents. And so is this, you know, a spy for the who knows or is this, you know, what else could it be? Well, we we get a we get a reasonable explanation about that. And I like that with, um, uh, with, you know, you don't it isn't so stereotypical. It isn't just a trope. Okay, now here's the here's the good guy. Here's the bad guy. Watch him beat each other up. This is a very, you know, um, fluid uh, situation. We don't know what his motivations are and as the uh, show progresses we get to see what the what the, what his motivation is and it is not at all um uh not at all evil not at all subversive he's right. he's there to mm-hmm. uh, just get some information
0: yeah I'm just trying to figure out what happened to his brother i will say as as a, a guy who has uh been on the on the fringe edge of of seeing in some safes installed when I was in my retail world. You know, when we, we built new stores, we had safes installed, and they were always put in locations that were not visible from another door or from the, to the public. The fact that this, at this securities company, they would ha- she would have a safe in her office, up where someone's standing out in a cubicle could see her clearly type in the code of all things. I thought, <laughs> I mean, it works for TV. This is TV, so I'm not getting hung up on this, but I thought, oh, my gosh. No one would ever put a safe there, ever, for that reason, because he could just stand out in the hallway and watch her fingers and go, okay, now I know the code, which is what he did, right? Just so Put a anyway. sign next to it, this is the safe, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. It was pretty terrible, but not a big <laughs> deal.
1: <laughs> one, one, uh, Term that they keep using, they, they, they mentioned this a little bit because they wanted to get some more information on Alex Duncan, who was this uh, person of interest, but they didn't know – they didn't, couldn't get any more information out of the machine. So uh, – and I think it was uh, Root who was asking, hey, machine 2.0 is open, quote unquote, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but not all that forthcoming with, you know, the facts. Here's you know, just a number like it was before. It didn't – all they could do is it could call – give you a number, and be done with it. But now they have the machine uh, right there with them, and it's open versus closed. What does that mean? Did you get an impression on what they were talking about, open being more talkative, open being more accessible to uh, the Internet and having access to data? I wasn't sure exactly what they were getting at there.
0: Yeah, I'm not exactly sure Either. Um, because I would think that it would have something to do with some of the restrictions that Harold put on it. But um That could be but, it, yeah. But I don't know how I don't off the top of my head and and, and I have to go back and you know, kind of really study all the different things that we've been able to piece together about the, all the various restrictions that he put on it. And, and he definitely is very interested in putting some of those restrictions back on. He talked about that. But that was what I took was that uh, maybe they're able to see more data because the restrictions aren't really in place. So it's more of a raw feed like they're getting from Samaritan uh, or that Samaritan is providing.
1: Mm, okay. All righty. We shall see what that, uh, I have a feeling this is going to be a a continuing uh, uh, undertone, you know, Mm -hmm. the machine. Why isn't it being a little more, like I said, forthcoming with with the facts of the case rather than just saying, him, deal with it. So the CIA picks up our uh, person of interest and takes him off, and Reese is not happy (laughs) because he knows what goes on there, man.
0: Yeah. This is a part, you know, I rated it a seven, and this is... A large reason why uh, I loved—I even posted in our Facebook group last night. We were watching it. Have they ever done this before, where Reese has had to like back away because his cover could be blown because someone who thought he was dead, you know, is now involved? I loved that idea, but uh, had, had, I had had—I just didn't. I felt like it was too much of a stretch um, because we got two plot lines, two really important plot points were carried along the same path with the backstory. And they had to do Mm -hmm. with the CIA boss. So, they made the CIA boss fit nicely into the POI of the week. Although I think it's a huge stretch that it was also John who pulled the trigger and killed his brother. I thought, I don't know, I just felt like what are the odds, I mean, I mean, it could happen where the guy who killed your brother could be now trying to save you in this weird world that we live in. But it, I mean, it just seemed really far fetched to me that, that mm-hmm. when it came to that point where it was revealed that John is the guy that killed his brother. Um, and this brother really was crooked. But the, the other thing, and we'll get to this in our, and in, in later on, but when, with the Iris storyline, when John makes his decision on Iris, well, that was all based on a conversation that the CIA director had had with him. And so that CIA director character, like I said, carried forth two major plot points or, 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 yeah, plot points of this episode. And that was, it was too much for me. It was too neat and tidy, too coincidental, too, uh, I don't know. So that, I downgraded the episode for that. I just felt like that was really unreasonable that all of that would just be so convenient, you know, I just nah, <laughs> didn't like it. Well, in their defense, I think that
1: they've done something like this before a few times where a case that Fusco was working on happened to coincide with the number that Team Machine was working out. Now, this is different because um, you know going down two paths and, and, and ultimately meeting, you know, it, it's kind of like what's going on here, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's Reese on both sides of that issue. Uh, both the dealing with the number and the, like I said, like the the, the the case that Fusco might be going after, but uh, in this case it's what the CIA is going after, and so I think there's, there's it's similar to kind of those uh, those previous episodes where we do get a bit of a it's a you know it's a lucky thing or is it a coincidental thing? They've done it before. I'll just say that.
0: Yeah. No, and you're right. And Lost was notorious for this, but that was kinda of one of the cool things for Lost and so That was the point. <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'm being too critical, but for me, um I felt like it, especially the iris thing was a little shoehorned into this other storyline. Maybe it had it just been with what it was without the iris part of it too, I would probably have been better with it. But anyway. Um okay. Yeah, you make a fair point for sure.
1: I have a question about how in the world Reese snuck into a CIA interrogation. Now, I know he was former CIA, but really, these guys, you know, keeping an eye on the doors for crying out loud. <laughs> and, and not yeah. only that, but once he gets in, you know, he Beale gets the drop on him from behind. That has never happened. You know, John is like, he's Superman or Batman, <laughs> but Superman in this case, he just does not get... Nobody gets the jump on him, and and so two things: he gets the jump on them, and they get the jump on him, and both of them are a little. That's that's stretching just a bit.
0: Yeah, but you know he's CIA too, so I mean if if someone's going to get the jump on John, I mean um, this could be the guy. Mm Potentially. 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean John, as as we saw in the flashbacks here, John's in the top ten percent of his class, so it was. Was even a cut above the the rest. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're right. It's a. Bit, but it's they got the far-fetched. jump on him
1: too, and that was that was uh you know getting the jump on him is uh, a little less likely. But uh, we'll Absolutely. go with it. We'll go with it for the uh, right. makes for, for good the sake you. of the story. <laughs> and it was interesting that that his boss recognized him. Well, first he recognized him just by his eyes. You know, he had the mask over there, and all you see is really his eyes. And he's like. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could recognize anybody by just their eyes, but the steering wheel maneuver gives them away. That was that was cool. Nobody does it that like cool. Reese does.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It would be hard to recognize somebody by just their eyes, but when you're trained like he is and and that sort of thing, I can go for that. I did love the steering wheel. In fact, I thought, man, why haven't they used that trick before? That's a great idea. I don't know how quickly you can take a steering wheel off even if you are trained in that, I don't know how long of a process that is, but I thought that was incredibly creative and wish they had pulled that maneuver before the writers. I mean,
1: when they are finally, and we'll get to the B story being the, the flashback to, um, to the time when they were uh, questioning his brother, Mm -hmm. but the story they give him is that his brother was killed in an airstrike. And Beale backs him up. He doesn't show yeah. that. You you killed him. So yeah. I, I, that's a very interesting. I mean, what would have? I, I guess the question is, what would it have um, done? What would have? What would the uh, positive effects, if any, be to actually tell him the truth that his brother was actually a dirty uh, uh, soldier? And so, at the very least, he gets a. He gets a nice story. Everything is true except the manner in which he died. And so, you know, is it a, it, you know, one of these uh, white lies kind of thing? You know, this is kind of back to the doing evil in the service of good. And is this, is it evil? Is it, like I said, is it going to really help him with his, um, is it really going to help uh, Alex to know exactly uh, why he died, why his brother died and how he died and who did it? don't think so. Not necessarily. I don't think that it's going to be, uh, going to do that much. But this, uh, project that he was part of, Desert Rain, um, if that goes public, or that he was, uh, I think his brother was, was he, oh, he, he stole the, uh, shipments from Desert Rain for, uh, for some of the, uh, some of the bad guys. And I can, I can see Beale being a guy who will say, okay, um, he, he, he first of all he went with the airstrike story and he certainly doesn't want Desiree to come out, you know, on an off books CIA app. So, you know, that's the only way you're gonna get the CIA off this guy's back and uh and he and Duncan needed to believe his brother was a hero, so everybody kinda we get a little bit of a win win there.
0: Yeah, I was I was also surprised that the CIA director um backed up Reese's story. And at first, I was confused because we had—I don't think we had seen the death yet, or maybe I don't think we had. But um, uh, either way, I, it was—I thought it was pretty clear that Johnny, if we hadn't seen the, the flashback part of that, the you know the trigger being pulled. But I was surprised that the the CIA guy backed him up. That conversation they had at the end of the episode kind of cleared up any motivation as to why he he didn't. But your question about. Or your, the point you were you're posing about, what does it benefit? Is should you tell? Should you tell the brother at that point? Yeah, you know your brother is dead, and I killed him, and um, he was taking money and all that stuff. I mean, what does that benefit him? All it does is make him in torment for the rest of his life about the grisly, sad demise of his brother. Or you can lie to him and say, "Your brother died a hero serving his country, and he can go off and have a a, a better life because he's not mentally he's in a better place. And that is a really interesting um, scenario, and I hope it kind of plays into the deeper storylines that we're going to have of this season. I think it, it certainly could where one of the machines is deceiving everybody else making them you know doing a big hand wave or i don't know some in some way someone is is being let's i mean this would be cool and yet infuriating and yet awesome at the end of the season if team machine lives or at least a good portion of them do and they think that they've won but it was really just a giant hand wave where, where the, you know, who, whomever says, what they don't know won't hurt them, you know? And it's like, we know the <laughs> truth. And I mean, that would be like, ah, you know, but it'd be kind of cool too. I don't know if I'd be satisfied until we get there. But I I think, I, I like to think it would be cool if this this thought process, I mean, let's carry that forth to its, to its logical end or to its ultimate, what would be a huge ramification of doing that type of, A thing, you know, it seems okay to, it's a little white lie here, but what if you apply that same logic in a grander scale with, with, where the stakes are higher? So I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to make it be more than it ever will, but I do at least like to kind of explore that out and think about what might be if they, if they come back to that in a different context. No, I like
1: that. If they, if they brought that around, that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Iris is still in the dark, mostly, yep. which is a good thing. Yep. And Harold notices that, or mentions that. But um, she does mention to him that she knows he's got something of a side job. Not sure what it is, but, uh, but Reese mentions it's, you know, today at least, it is his past catching up to him. And she says, like a good counselor would... Your past isn't anything you control. Your future is. But the job is the future right now. He's fighting for the future. So it doesn't let him have a normal life. And I liked, um, I liked her question, well, when will the job be done? And that, I guess, is going to be the ultimate question of the season. When is the job done? And Iris breaks up with him, and he turns around, and the numbers just keep coming. And that was a great ending i thought to this uh to this episode where it's it almost seems you know fatalistic that he's yeah. doomed to do this forever push a rock up the hill and it rolls back down again kind of thing
0: fatalistic i think is the perfect description of that and i think that that's what i read into this is that my prediction of the Vries dying is going to come true you know my My hope for him not dying was that so that he could ride off into the sunset with Iris. And there certainly is still hope for that. I mean, he could, he could have a change of heart or, or whatever. There, there are any number of ways where that could still happen. What I think is happening is when the writers figured out that they were getting this abbreviated final season, they said, well, we're not going to get to explore this relationship in the way that we wanted. We need to end it, but we need to do it gracefully. And I think they said, we can't do it right away. Let's wait three episodes. And and I think that they did as good of a job with that as they could. I could be completely off base. Maybe this was their intention all along. But I think that, but more so than that, I think it points to John being John. This is who he is. This is what he does. This is what he's committed to. And he can't commit to anything else. And he will follow it until its end, which is going to be when he ends. And I think that he probably will die by by the end of the uh, Series, unfortunately. I mean, I, I love the character. I did predict he would die, but that didn't mean I want him to die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He's on my death list, I believe.
1: I'd have to go back and look, but I think, yeah, I think he's. I think we take him out.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll pull that up while we're talking.
1: <laughs> uh the B story. Let's call it uh, the CIA flashback. We go back to 2010. Kara Stanton is back in uh, in the show here as a uh, flashbacker. And uh, this Brent Tomlinson may have alluded the Taliban to a weapons shipment. And the weapons shipment, of course, is desert rain, as we find out later. And so we go and they they work their way over to Afghanistan. Uh, Beale sends them both out to see if Tomlinson gave that intel to them. And in their discussion, I was waiting to see what... Uh, what the two of them, uh, Stanton and Reese, were going to do if this guy was innocent, and they checked him all out, they checked everything in the room and all of that, checked his briefcase with the uh, just a list of um, orders and things like that. And I'm thinking these guys have a you know a tough job here. This is going to be another one. And and Michael Emerson, in fact, uh, tweeted after Reese shot Tomlinson. He said that um, we're uh, we are challenged to put Reese's past in context, and so this is another one of those things. And I'm thinking, right after the shot, saying it's put us in context. That's going to be a tough one to put in context if the machine were to know about that. But then we see later, you know, at the very end, which was you know a complete uh, a complete twist there that. he He had kind of figured that out, that this guy was taking too much of the high road, I guess is what he was saying. And uh, I I was thinking perhaps that this was going to be one of those things that Reese felt that he had to atone for. Uh, But as it turned out, he was right. But even that was just a hunch. So that's, that's it's one of those gray areas that I think is a little blacker
0: than whiter. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think it was clearly black. I mean, now, Reese killed the guy without fully knowing. Reese killed the guy off a of hunch. You know, he's paid very mm-hmm. well to 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 read people and then to make decisions off of hunches and I'm sure he didn't always get them right. Um, but in this one he did, and so it's it's black for me. But it was really interesting. They really did a good job of building the suspense and and us not knowing whether or not this guy was, was good or or bad was he was he really taking the money or was he not? Um. It was yeah. It was really interesting. It was great to see uh, Stanton back. You know, we hadn't seen her since she uh, blew up in the car. She's looking pretty good. Uh, for being blowed looked. up, real good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Yeah. I I don't know what else I have to say about that. I thought it was just showing how this is what Reese does. This is his, he has a particular, let's let's go back to that again. He has a particular set of skills and this (laughs) is what he does.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. And and these are things that he may, you know, as I said, maybe he's atoning for this. Maybe he's trying to redeem some of those actions uh, from his past.
0: I did love the, um, the conversation that he had in, not in flashback, but with the CIA uh, boss where they just kind of said, Hey, You saved my life. I'm not going to turn you in. You're still a ghost. I kind of like you that way. Um, it was a good way of handling it. I don't think they'll ever cross paths again on screen because there's not enough time in this series for that, although you never know. But it was a -hmm. a nice, all that with the backstory that we got and how that fed into that final scene between those two, I thought was really nice.
1: Maybe I like that you're still out there, a ghost Mm -hmm. still knowing what needs to be done. That was a great line. And basically, he is—he's the man in the suit. He's a ghost.
0: That's right. He is. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about Root as the. Um, she wasn't UPS or well, APS apps, which I thought was funny. Apps. I don't know. I just thought it was. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Because yeah, she, she's a computer
1: guru. And shuffling and and packages are being shuffled back and forth from different electronic companies. Something they've seen before is that there's all this malware uh, that Samaritan seems to be loading up. And so they apparently find that this is what's, what's going on here. Finch, you know, gets on the truck after uh, Root uh, kind of knocks out the dude and does it again. <laughs> I guess it's for his own good. But um, but Samaritan can't find the truck, and so they got a limited time. And uh, Harold copies off the um, copies off the malware, the malware, mm-hmm. which apparently s- sends everything. Uh, on the whatever device to Samaritan, plus it has some advanced functions he 's not sure exactly what they are
0: yeah, we saw again the difference between harold 's approach to the thing and root 's approach to th- to things you know he was He was content with just kind of examining it and but not activating it and just kind of looking through the code, which is a good idea. But she's like, no, we got to do more than that. We have to be aggressive. We have to be on the offensive, and she figured out a way to to pull the computer off off the network, off the Wi-Fi, off the power supply, which was really important given last season, uh, the ability for a machine to travel through power um, outlets and lines, and so that they can actually run the code and find out more about it. So, I tell you, it's really interesting to see these two like a almost like a check and balance. Um, They're, they're on two, they're, they're striving for the same end zone, but they are using a different playbook of sorts. And one is being more aggressive than the other. And I I don't know if they're going to have any type of ramification of one being too conservative or one being too aggressive. Yeah. But I do like that. that We're seeing them take two different approaches to really try to achieve the same ends but not really fully supporting the decisions that the either that the other one is making. And the machine um, gave them not just the
1: number for Alex, but also some other big number that uh, Root finally um, decodes some way. Uh, don't know if it was like uh, you know just the the numerical letters, uh, the, the, the numerical representation of the letters like you would do in a computer. But, uh, but it's a poem about change, about metamorphosis. And so the question is, is this something the machine is going to be doing? Is it talking about Root and Finch specifically or Team Machine in general? Or maybe all of humanity. Maybe there's some change that this battle of the titans between the machine and Samaritan is going to change humanity. That could, that could go any of those ways, I think. Yep,
0: I think so too. I, I mean, if I had to pick, I would, I would say Metamorphosis would apply most to what the machine's going to go through this season. My second pick would be Herald slash Root equally. Um, and then my third pick would be Humanity. But I think all of those options, you mentioned the whole team too. I think all of those are options that are on the table righty, we shall see what happens with that bit of code a little later. Indeed, that'll be fun. So that was, that was the story. Now, Truth Be Told was the title of this. Now, Snafu, I think, was pretty clear to see. Yeah, Snafu, there was a big Snafu in the machine. Uh, truth Be Told, I'm tying that in back to Reese's decision not to tell the truth to the brother, um, which would be Truth Not Be Told, so... I'm what a, what obvious thing am I missing, or is it just that's it, and it was just kind of a play on that? I don't know. What what did you think?
1: I think it may be a play. I mean, Tomlinson wasn't telling the truth either. The only truth that came out was the fact that Reese was still alive, mm-hmm. and and the truth, the partial truth that Tomlinson you know died in Afghanistan uh, at the hand of Reese. But again, it didn't get told, so I'm not sure. I think it was just yeah, a play on that. It, uh, kind of an, I, an irony about uh, the truth not necessarily being told. Mm-hmm.
0: It is the it is the truth as so far as you know it to be. Mm-hmm. Well, do you have some surveillance in the news? Do you want to lay on us this week? I do. I am uh, just going to touch on it
1: lightly because we are already pretty uh, pretty lengthy here. But uh, this is a uh, news item from Bloomberg News Service. The headline was, The Crime You Have Not Yet Committed. It says computers are getting pretty good at predicting the future. In many cases, they do it better than people. That's why Amazon uses them to figure out what you're likely to buy, how Netflix knows what you're likely to watch, the way meteorologists come up with an accurate 10-day forecast. But now, a team of scientists have demonstrated a computer that can outperform human judges in predicting who will commit a violent crime. Does that sound familiar? Uh, In a paper published, and I don't know exactly, oh, last month, so this would have been February, because this was a March uh, item. In a paper published in February, they describe how they built a system, a machine, sorry, that started with people already arrested for domestic violence, then figured out which of them would be most likely to commit the same crime again. Uh, Critics are warning that the new technology has been rushed into use without enough public discussion. It's being used in uh, some places like Fresno, California, uh, in, in limited, uh, you know, limited uh, uh, areas. And one question is precisely how the software works. It's a manufacturer's trade secret, so they don't uh, really – you really can't – it's not an open system, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question is whether there's, a sci- there's scientific evidence that such technology will work as advertised. Uh, but by contrast, the recent paper on the system – uh, that forecasts domestic violence, lays out what it can do and how well it can do it. So I'm I'm going to leave it there. But if you uh, go into the uh, show notes at goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI, it's a very interesting um, discussion about, and it's mostly from the uh, perspective of the guys who wrote the software. Uh, and it's the, the fellow's been doing uh, crime forecasting, he's been working in that field for uh, more than a decade. And so... And even back in 2008, he'd created a computerized system that beat the experts in picking which parolees were most likely to uh, re- reoffend, to you know, what the recidivism rate might be, and which ones would would do it. Um, so give that a look; it's very interesting. And like I said, it's it's another thing that this series has predicted uh, very very nicely uh, mm-hmm. as far as what's a, what's going to happen. This is science fiction. But it is just barely science fiction.
0: Yeah, boy. I didn't know that they were already doing that. That's crazy. Okay, mm. interesting, interesting stuff. Well, let's give a quick update on the contest. We mentioned it at the top of the near the top of the podcast. We do have the contest, the Live Another Day podcast. Who's going to live? Who's going to die at the end of Person of Interest? And the deadline is uh, coming up. You have about a week before the deadline uh, approaches. So here's what you need to do. We're talking about 10 characters. The characters are Greer, Control, Bear, Fusco, Reese, Finch, Shaw, Root, Samaritan, and The Machine. Those are the 10 characters that we're interested in. We want you to tell us which ones will live... 'll we'll, we'll be alive at the end of the season, the series, and which ones will die we will we'll be dead and if you think they 're going to die, you need to tell us which episode this season they will meet their demise now for control she 's a little bit of a wild card; she might have actually died last season, and if you think that 's the case, then put episode one that way we 'll know that you think she was dead at the beginning of the season. Uh, those are the ten characters. So you can submit that via our our feedback page over at goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, uh, or you can head over to Facebook. uh, What's the Facebook group?
1: Facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM.
0: Yeah. And leave your um, predictions there. So the deadline is when episode six well, I,
1: starts. I said this weirdly last time. I said yeah. the deadline was after episode five. I mean,
0: no, you can predict before that. It's before six starts. Yep. So the moment episode six starts on the East Coast then the contest is over. And whoever gets the most predictions right, whoever, we've got a scoring system that we explained last, uh, last week, so go back and listen to that. But uh, it, that's in case of a tiebreaker. But whoever gets the highest score, the best predictor, is going to get their well, the, choice. The, the
1: lowest score, the most, most accurate. In, uh, if you picked episode uh, 10 and they die in 13, that's three. You don't want a big score. You want a low score. You want to be as uh, close, close to zero as you can.
0: Yeah, that's for the tiebreaker. But yeah, you're right. And uh, so anyway, the winner is going to get your choice of any season of POI on your choice of Blu-ray or DVD. So once again, the deadline of that is when episode six starts, which episode six is going to air. I should give a date. That's the week that we're going to get three episodes in a row. <laughs> or three three episodes in the same week. So episode six it's going to air on May 23rd, so you have until that episode starts on May 23rd to make your prediction. Now, get your predictions in the early. Industry. The rumor is that next week, episode four, is going to be a doozy, so hopefully that doesn't mean people die, but it, it might. So get that prediction in today.
1: All righty, let's do some feedback. Mm, We've got some we great feedback. Some
0: feedback. You want to take the first one?
1: I will. I'm gonna talk about Team Yellow Box. I, I need to know what that is. What they're talking about. If it was Team Blue Box, I'd think Doctor Who. Maria Doctor Who right, Team Yellow Box. Okay. Um, I'm gonna read both their Snafu and truth be told feedback here. If they said as far as Snafu went, said the opening was great with the title sequence glitch scene and the facial recognition goofs. It reminded me of If Then Else. Poor root, all the numbers but she only cares about one. Great Finch and Root discussion scenes, per usual in this episode. Bear protecting Root while she slept made me think Shaw would love it and gave Shaw's relationship, given Shaw's relationship with Bear was like an extension of her being there. Root bonding with Bear earlier in the episode made me think she was holding on to him because he reminds her of Shaw and she wants her girl back ASAP. A good episode. Mm-hmm. And then about Truth Be Told, uh, Team Box said, Again, another awesome opening title glitch sequence. I have to say, the reveal of John being connected to the brother was pretty predictable when the numbers started talking more and more about the circumstances. I would say the breakup with Iris could mean that Iris is safe, but you never know with POI. Next week, Shaw. Absolutely, you never know. It is uh, never a guarantee that uh, this keeps anybody safe.
0: All right, and thank you, Team Yellow Box. Let's move on to Andre from Norway. Shout out to Norway. That's fantastic. Uh, Andre says, hey, I'm a little late to the game since the show is airing in the U.S. during the night here in Norway, but just watching it now, and I have to say, it was great. They're they're talking about uh, Snafu, specifically. Michael Emerson is showing great acting talent trying to explain to the machine that people change and isn't inherently either good or bad, and at the same time being shown all the bad stuff that they themselves have done. My big concern is that the machine might not be back again like we know it, even in the end of the episode. Are we going to see a more aggressive machine ready to fight more dirty? I don't know if it's going to be dirty, but I do think it's going to be more aggressive, and I think this is part of that kind of the uh, root versus... um, Finch storyline versus in the in the sense that they're not against each other, but in the sense that they have different philosophies of how they are uh, should should be going about it. And maybe that's part of the metamorphosis that's going to transpire.
1: I I agree. This is I love the dichotomy between Finch and Shaw. I'm sorry, Finch and Root. And uh, we might see a dichotomy within the machine itself.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Okay, Doc H, he said this. Unlike Lost in its final season, POI is actually answering more questions than it is raising. A rare and awesome anomaly in this space-time continuum, indeed. Monday night's episode told us, via Finch, that Reese was more in need of redemption than anyone on the rest of the team machine. And here we had, on Tuesday night, an entire story dedicated to Reese rectifying past actions. It was good to see Cara Stanton, but I hope that her appearance salary wasn't a finale season budget concern. (laughs) Her appearance salary, that's interesting. Uh, That kept Kevin Chapman from this episode. I only hope that they have the resources to roll Zoe Morgan into the fold one more time. Say what you want about Amy Acker, whom I adore as much as Daryl. Do you adore her as much as you adore Daryl?
0: Okay. (laughs) I wasn't sure. Everyone adores me, but I think uh, Dodge and I both adore Amy Acker. Absolutely. Say what you want
1: about about Amy Acker, but I sure do love a gal that can rock a ponytail slash baseball cap combo, which she did. Sweet. Plus, she's making the most of what little life Root has left as a focal character. She be dead soon, saving Shaw, but not a death watch prediction by Dwatch. No, (laughs) Dodge. (laughs) <laughs> do, you know doc you have not entered your uh your suggestions here your thoughts about who lives and who dies you got to do that mm-hmm. anyway Yep. the writing to this point has been stellar and i have to put monday night's snafu in my top five all time so far oh wow. tuesday's episode that's saying something yeah yeah it is tuesday's episode will probably land in my top 20 when all is said and done Finally, my overall impression to this point is that the last season of POI feels a lot like a high-stakes poker game where the cast, crew, and creators have just announced All In, and we viewers are getting dealt the last few cards. The writers and actors aren't holding a thing back, and it sure feels like they have a winning hand, not a bluff hand. Winner, winner, POI dinner. (laughs) We all win when it's over. Cheers, Dodge, and he signs it, Dodge, D-A-W-T-H. Formerly Doc H, before the machine corrupted my file and lumped me into Greer's vile menagerie.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> uh, awesome feedback as always, Dodge. All right. This comes in from Andrew Jeeves. He says, and this is regarding both episodes, Hi, Daryl. And then Doug. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we'll play that game again oh, this week. Oh, man. It never gets old. Um, these two episodes were interesting. I found snafu interesting, even though I did not catch it live. All the past references to numbers saved and the machine's attempts to defend itself, even to the point of hiring a hit woman after John. The acting was superb in that episode. And we got little more information on John when the machine went locating John in the streets of New York for its surveillance test. It stated his POB was Washington State. His father's name is Connor, deceased. His mother's name is Margaret, deceased. See, I told you he could play Bruce Wayne. Both his parents are dead. <laughs> that was me interjecting. <clears throat> um, his sister's name is Sophie, deceased, and that he was directly responsible for the deaths and disappearances of 62 people. Snaffy was good. Now let's move on to Truth Be Told. I also didn't watch it live as I was out watching Avengers 2.5, a.k.a. Captain America <laughs> Civil War, which I admit was not as interesting as Blue Screen of Death and Snafu. But okay, wait a enter- minute. Is, was Captain America not as interesting as
1: <laughs> Blue Screen of Death or Snafu? No, he's talking about I truth. think he's
0: talking about Truth Be Told, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but entertaining to a certain degree. However, it was interesting to see a bit more of Race's CIA past Though, I would like to see more of his life back home in Washington State. Anyways, can't wait for more. Keep on rockin' in the free world, Andrew Jeeves.
1: All right, rockin'. We have two Andrews that often write in, and we have Andrew B. now. And this is what he said about Snafu. He said, right off the bat, I love how we see the new title sequence for the first time, and it's immediately subverted It's also great in full. There's been a very retrospective feel to the season so far, appropriate since we're nearing the end, and I really like how it's used in this episode with so many snippets from earlier in the series. This is easily one of the show's most colorful episodes. The tone is all over the place, in a good way, which reflects the machine's perspective. At times there's even a mixed tone. The machine's playing back Finch's earlier lesson about good and bad is both sad and a little chilling. The machine refuting Finch's present entreaty with his own words. In general, communication via text lends itself well to such ambiguity. It's impressive that the episode manages so many lighthearted moments in a very serious, grander scheme, and that the characters seem almost like everyday people at the end. Yeah, it's the old picnic in the, uh, in the park there, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Finches and Roots longing for Grace and Shaw, respectively, is a nice touch, and the respective musical themes are used nicely. These are poignant moments for them as well as a show of the power in an open system and the inclination of people to use it. An open system. There it is again. I'm I'm thinking that's – it's just uh, more access to data potentially, something like that. Yeah. So Andrew B. continues uh, talking about truth be told. The strengths of this episode don't really jump out at me but it has plenty of food for thought nonetheless. Structurally, it's similar to several episodes from season four. Narratively and thematically, it reaches even further back, and I love how the series feels so connected. How different episodes, for example this one and Snefu, connect things in different ways. It continues the theme of truth and what a person is led to believe. Allah Cyrus Wells in Root Path, Simon Lee in Prophets, and even Finch Sinclair in Q&A. And Andrew, I've got to say, your memory of all these past episodes is uh, impressive. He continues, in its own right, I think the episode is actually a tale of two poems. The piece by Dickinson and Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening by Robert Frost. Called to mind my a line from one of the an- agents questioning Alex Duncan. I think Reese essentially sees himself as the speaker in the latter. This is the two paths uh, uh, diverted in the woods and I took yep. the one less traveled by. Yeah. Great poem. Attracted by something that's natural, but deciding that he can't settle yet. Appropriately, this dynamic is also reminiscent of Bruce Wayne in the Dark Knight trilogy. <laughs> I'm now more intrigued. There you go. You're thinking the same thing here. I guess so. I did not read his female,
0: so that's interesting.
1: <laughs> I'm now more intrigued about how this will end for Reese. And I hope we haven't seen the last of Iris. Have you, we you seen and, the last of Iris? You and Daryl Alice? are on the same channel. I you know it's interesting we didn't put her on the uh, live another day uh, contest but no. um I I I don't think we've seen the last of her but I don't think she dies
0: <sighs> I'm inclined to agree with the, both of those so I will say we have seen the last of her and she doesn't die just to be little, somewhat different all right, well, All thank right you, Andrew, and everyone who's sent in typey-typey uh, emails. We've got some audio emails or audio feedbacks, I should say. This first one comes from Barb.
2: Hi, Doug and Daryl. This is Barb calling in with feedback on our two person of interest epis this week. I'll give Snafu 8.5 fuzzy bunny slippers and truth be told, eight Emily Dickinson poems. With Snafu, it was funny to see the machine confusing our team's faces and watch the actors portray their fellow characters. But the machine wasn't the only one with a bug. Harold kept believing he was seeing Grace, clearly still in angst about how he initially killed the machine each day, and now trying to reprogram it. And the machine began spitting out numbers like mad, many irrelevant, loved the actor, killing it on stage. In Snafu and in Truth Be Told, we see the machine's confusion about our team, and clearly not reading in any redemption based on where they are today. In life, we have long memories that make us leery of trusting others, long after they may have been redeemed. The machine didn't have that problem initially because its memories and experiences were wiped out every night. Now all it saw was the bad they had done, and judged them accordingly. And it clearly didn't trust them. It was sad to watch Finch and Root look forlornly at the machine, knowing that it didn't trust them. In truth be told, I was at first surprised that we we would apparently go back to a number-of-the-week scenario, but then realized that this person would be used to make John believe that he needed to focus on the work at hand and not have an outside life as with Iris. It may also give Team Machine a new powerful ally that could come back before the end of the season, John's old CIA boss, Terrence Beale. If many of our team are dead at the end of the series, there will need to be other people in positions of power to help write the world again. I also think this is a ploy by the writers to make us think that John will die. He is on my he lives list, and he is staying there. <laughs> Meanwhile, Root and Harold are again discussing what the machine should look like as they rebuild her. Root is correct on one front. They will need to take risks if they are going to defeat Samaritan. They need a few Hail Marys to secure the win. I also liked the opening this week where the intro flipped back and forth between the machine and Samaritan. I thought that perhaps this was a sign of the machine reboot, that it had been infected by Samaritan in some way, especially when we learned that Root was using the Samaritan malware. But I think it may signal the fight to come between the two, each attempting to wrest control from the other. What was interesting was the Emily Dickinson poem that our machine gave the team basically telling them that they need to allow her to transform and change from cocoon to butterfly. It's hard to have two Eppies back-to-back and not have digestion time, but I guess that's what the weekend is for. Next week should be a big Eppie. Thanks for your work on the podcast, guys. Really appreciate it. This is Barb signing out and wondering where my fuzzy bunny slippers went.
0: Daryl's got him. <laughs> I've got him. That's right. Or maybe I don't. I just said that I might be. So hmm.
1: <laughs> I like the uh, the thought that, that the CIA is not out of the picture yet and that Beale may come back as someone to pick up the pieces after Team Machine is, shall we say, decimated.
0: <laughs> nice. Oh, wow. Really? All right. Thank you, Barb. Let's move on to our next audio feedbacker.
3: Chip, All right, Doug and the other guy, Person of Interest Podcast, <laughs> Woo, so excited. And by the way, this is Chip from Sunny Pineal Shores and the Sunnylands calling in with feedback for Snafu. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the second episode because it's on late here in our neck of the woods. But I did want to get a little something in for you guys this week, because I've missed your show, and I've missed Person of Interest. I'm so glad it's back, and I did want to say it's kind of bittersweet, uh, because we only got 13, well, now uh, 11, uh, 10 when people are listening to this left. And it almost makes me not want to watch, because it's going to be over soon, so anyway, I'm going to watch. I can't help it. So what a great episode. I absolutely loved it. I love what they've been doing since they got back. Uh, How cool was it to see the actors playing the other actors? I I just, (laughs) the take Root doing the other people just killed me. Um, I love the uh, relationship between Root and Finch. You think about where they came from, from when they first met. Uh, Great, great scenes there between uh, those two actors. Love watching them. Uh, And, okay, Let's tell Fusco it's time. The dude should be brought in and don't wait until like the next Mm. to last episode and then kill him off. That would just be really, really bad. Uh, Fusco can't die, by the way. He's a fan favorite. He's the Hurley of this show, so he'll be around. That's right. You can put that in the bank. Uh, So, also, uh, (laughs) Oklahoma women, what is that? Other person on the podcast. Uh, there seems to be something about the, the crazed killer coming from Oklahoma. I'm not saying maybe, maybe they're fans of your podcast and they're just trying to get a dig in at that guy that does the show. Um, gosh, so many other things. Unstuck in time. Did. All the Lost people just go crazy, or the Slaughterhouse Five people go crazy. Yeah, I was expecting Desmond or Faraday to show up. You know, I think Faraday actually used the term unstuck in time when he was talking about what was happening on Lost. So that was a good squee moment there for all of us Losties. And that ending between the machine and Finch, uh, admit it, you got a little teary eyed uh, seeing how much the machine has evolved in the relationship between. Uh, her and finch so great episode really looking forward to seeing what they bring for us the rest of this season can't believe it's the last one but we're gonna enjoy the ride thank you guys for doing the podcast i love listening to it every week and we'll be talking to you soon
1: great feedback chip great feedback i like that and uh thanks for uh for saying hi to me
0: yeah, he didn't acknowledge me, so I guess I won't plug his talesfromthecask.com or watchingtheamericans.com.
1: <laughs> okay, well, there you are. you gotta, <laughs> you got you to gotta bow and scrape to the, uh, to the man. This is the man here. <laughs> There's a beauty.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank you, Chipster. He was my co-host for the X-Files podcast, We Still Believe, by the way. So if you... RNX an X file and didn't listen to the ads, you can go check that out at goldenspiralmedia.com slash X files. Shameless plug. Let's move on to our final audio feedbacker, Judy. Here she is.
4: Hello, Daryl and Doug. This is Chetchy Judy, the Polish blonde in Worcester, giving you some feedback on the first three episodes of person of interest. Season five. Going to do this really quick. Cause I'm on my way to work. Okay, episode one, B-S-O-D. The opening monologue with Root, my crazy crackpot theory is that she's actually talking to Shaw. I got that impression from, you know, the first time watching it through. Um, did uh, I picked up the use of the past tense were, kind of indicating to me that they won. I don't know, but... That's my indi- indication of that. My rating of that episode was 9 out of 10 spinning tail chaser circles or collar wheels, which are the MAC equivalent of the, spin- of the uh, rotating hourglass. So, uh, episode 2, Snafu. I gave this 8.5 out of 10. Pallets prepped and ready to steal. <laughs> and great <laughs> episode. Nothing really to nitpick on that one. I thought it was very good straight through overall. Episode 3, Truth Be Told. This one I didn't like so much. It had a couple of problems with me, so I gave it 7 out of 10. Crazy aggressive, but cute co workers that bonk you over the head. <laughs> I did not like the fact that John just immediately went from catching that guy who was stealing secrets to protecting him from the CIA. Granted, he's got some experience in what, you know, because of his past, but. That was just too much of a quick flip for me, and it's just this plot line was just a little bit too out there for me to believe. I don't know. That one was really, uh, that was eh, close to jumping the shark. So hmm. that was uh, my uh, impressions of Truth Be Told. And um, did get to see the previews for next week, and I am looking forward to that. <laughs> no spoilers here for me. So this is Chechi Judy from Worcester. Get it right, Daryl. Signing off.
0: Worcester. I get it right every time. I'm not <laughs> sure what your problem is, Chechi Judy. Um
4: just I, like it's billed. Like
0: that's right. Exactly. Yeah, so we had somebody on our Facebook page, um, I don't remember who it was, that posted something from the preview and I deleted that. In case you're wondering, like what happened. I deleted it because even though it, it, the the thread is marked spoilers, the previews for the following episodes are. A lot of people turn those off. They don't want to. They don't want to know. So I went ahead and deleted that comment. But in case you're, I just thought out in case you're wondering. But because she, she mentioned the preview, and I did watch the preview, and I can't wait for next you're, week. You're psyched, huh? Uh, yeah. yeah, this is gonna be good. Yeah. We'll have a
1: little, little spoilery section about what's coming up a little later. Very mm-hmm. soon,
0: actually. Yeah, very soon. Let's just remind all of you listening what our feedback information is. Let me again thank everyone who sent in feedback for these episodes. We truly love hearing your thoughts and opinions. You can send in your thoughts and opinions by calling 304-837-2278. That's the Golden Spiral Media voice feedback line. You can head over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. We take typey typey text, we take audio files that are uploaded via that page uh, and the SpeakPipe widget is there too so you can just record right into that, super easy follow us on Twitter at POI Podcast GSM or Facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM and we'd love to have you interact with us, we love interacting with you, although I wasn't very good on the Twitter this week, uh, but uh, we'll try to get better at that, I don't know, Doug's better at Twitter than I am, but I kind of Failed on the Twitter this week.
1: I don't know. I've uh, I, I've not been keeping up too much. Mostly reading it when the episode is on. Uh, yeah. A few retweets in here and there, but uh, wow, Try, trying to keep up with what's going on in the episode is is one thing. You know, and tweeting yeah. about it. Yikes!
0: It's hard to take notes and tweet, and plus. To be honest with you, the Thunder game was on last night, so I was trying to watch the Thunder game and watch Person of Interest and take notes, and I was like, Twitter ain't happening tonight, folks, because <laughs> my commercial breaks are watching the game, <laughs> which is normally Twitter Talk time. about juggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let's uh, let's talk about next week and beyond. So this is a little spoilery if, if you don't like any spoilers. They're all minor spoilers, but just as your spoiler warning. So uh, next week we have two episodes Doug, what's the first one? First one is 6,741.
1: That's the title. And the CBS text for it says Shaw escapes her captors, but the team is unsure of her mental state when she begins to act paranoid and reckless on Prison of Interest Monday, May 16th at 10 o'clock. Now, this is something that Aaron said... At the very beginning, he had a line that was kind of spoilery, and I put it here. He said, Episode 4 is Shaw's Return, as we've just heard. The title is How Long She's Been Missing. I guess it's 6,741 hours. That's my guess. It's certainly not days, but it's maybe it's hours. Um, because it has been at least two months since, uh, the, uh, since the first – between the first episode and the second of this season. One episode near the end, mm-hmm. he said – is uh, it's a wonderful life themed that sort of thing, so that'll be very interesting. So that's a little spoilery, but for six thousand seven hundred forty-one, we have all our usual heroes, but Greer is back, of course, since you know Shaw's involved. So uh, keep uh, that. That's and and this is the th- this is the episode that the showrunner said was a killer episode. I, I mean, well, okay, not, let's not put it that way. It is a big episode. It's a it's a bang, you know, look out. It's going to be interesting. So, uh, written by Lucas O'Connor and Denise Tay. Now, <sighs> Denise Tay, okay, so that means that someone might die. Because it seems that whenever somebody, uh, whenever she writes the episode, uh, somebody dies. I think she was rewrote the Carter episode when, when the Carter died. Uh, there's been another situation. So, I am, I'm worried I'm a little worried. You may want to get your uh, your Live Another Day predictions in before that episode and not wait until later. And it's directed by Chris Fisher.
0: Yeah, I had the same thought when I saw that it was a Denise Tay episode. I thought, oh, man, somebody's going to die. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we don't know for sure. And it was that comment about uh, Shaw returning. Uh, she was in the preview. That's what I removed from our Facebook Uh, So should be exciting Ah, for sure. All right. And the next episode. Now, again, this, the, the 6,741 episode that's airing on Monday night. And then on Tuesday night, shot seeker Reese protects an NYPD analyst whose investigation into a software glitch has drawn the attention of Samaritan. Also Reese and Fusco are threatened by an ally of Elias's. That's interesting who is looking to avenge his friend's death on Person of Interest Tuesday, May 17th at 10, 11 Eastern. To, from, from 10 to 11 Eastern, I should say, on CBS, of course. So,
1: And we're definitely getting Elias back as a, a guest uh, star, recurring cast. Enrico Colantoni is back. And that'll be... So there's got to be flashbacks, I guess. This is, be, I guess going yeah. to establish how this uh, friend is you know connect is connected to Elias but Elias is dead it seems that that is absolutely true according to the writers yep and, and so we've got uh, Enrico Colantoni and don't f- as as Elias and don't forget we've got Daniel Morgan Shelley as amped up cop so
0: there you are <laughs> can't wait for that i love i love Elias Elias is in case you don't remember that first episode with him in season one is what hooked me into this show. And because of that, I have always been endeared to him as a character. And so I can't wait to see him again and, uh, on next Tuesday. All right. Not well, Doug, wait. that's it. Two, two episodes in a little, yeah, about two hours. After we, we trim this down a little bit, it'll be right around just shy of two hours. So that's, that's not too bad, I think.
1: Well, well, given what we have uh, had to had to cover, I'm just worried about what's going to happen. You know, two weeks now we have got three episodes. <laughs> it would be three hours. Oh we'll man, yeah, it's going to take people well, longer to listen to the uh, podcast than it is. You know, by the time it's done, the next season, the next episodes are on mail. <laughs> That's right.
0: That's right. Well, we're so glad you tuned in this week, and we we love having you along as uh, we go through this final season of Person of Interest. So, thank you so much for joining us and Doug, it's always a pleasure podcasting with you, my friend
1: It's a blast, Daryl, we have a great time You ought to come and watch us do this Daryl posts the link to the Blab web app here uh, and you can watch us uh, make fools of ourselves and uh, have a good time doing it So yes, don't indeed. forget you know, every Wednesday night, 7 o'clock
0: 7 o'clock Eastern, that's for sure Alright, well again, thanks for joining us and until next time I'm Daryl, and you know what, Doug? I'm going to go see if any of my bags and cases and suitcases and anything has a false bottom that might just be hiding some money.
1: (laughs) And you might get shot at for it. Hmm. And I'm Doug saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit, possibly with a woman's head, watching over you.